it is time for the pre-show. It is time. Hold on a second. I hope this doesn't uh, make too much noise. Did you turn on the uh, backup? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. going. Cool. Hi, everybody. Hello. 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 There we go. That sounds better for me. So you're about to go on vacation. Another one. Yes. All kinds of vacations. <laughs> this one without the rest of my extended family. Mm. I can do what I want. Speaking of uh, it's vacations, so we have um, coming up. I mean, it's next month, right? <laughs> End of next month is the Great yep. American Beer Fest. Um, what we can do is we can put on the find a friend thing, so we can always know each other's location. So that way we can like we don't have to do it now. But I'm saying right, for, right, for those times, so we can hang out different places, and then you know, if we want to, we can. I wonder, how, I wonder how good it'll work inside the conventions. Oh, probably not well, but, you know, mm-hmm. if, like, you're at, you know, whatever, you're at... With my friends at Falling Rock? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's uh, that's one option. I don't even think I have it installed. Find my friends. Oh, I don't. Well, you can install it. So, uh, let's let's get right into the, the, the Tweet Brigade. Explain Greg's tweets. Uh, this is what a raptor, actually, Dionysus, looks like. I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, people say, oh, feathers aren't scary. If I saw that thing coming at me... It doesn't look like a turkey. Pigeon. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a scary friggin' thing. That would be... That'd be frightening as hell. So, yeah. I, I don't buy the whole... Uh, Feathers aren't a scary thing. Feathers can be totally scary. Yes, they can. Greg is responding to a instant message. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, so Craig uh, had a little conversation with me about um, drivable cars. Self-driving cars. Self-driving cars. Uh, he contended through a couple tweets that there were some actually... Act- stuff actually work, working right now uh, I found his examples to be a little um, underwhelming okay like he made an example of, of this truck and I watched the video and the video oh it's all impressive but re- but then I read the fine print the truck can only go on specifically designated roads that have special markings on them so it can follow them it can only do the road okay. it can't like go get off of the highway it can't <laughs> exit and can't do anything in in the city it can just do you know basically a big straight road in the desert i'm not shocked that that a car can essentially do a big straight road in the desert and can do like radar avoidance of other cars and stuff like that that seems to me fine the problem is dealing with all of the circumstances that come into play when you're dealing with sure stuff. and the other thing i commented on is you know there google is doing some very interesting stuff with a self-driving car in certain areas in some reasonable suburban driving stuff and not quite city right not really city driving but suburbia type <coughs> driving and it's doing reasonably well on, on you know routes it knows and stuff like that but i and i think it can do it can it can work at night so i have a question what happens when it rains what happens when it snows? What happens when snow when snow is covering the the uh, the road? Right. What happens when 
don't know, there's all types of situations that I wonder about. I mean, if you have a car but you can't travel when it rains, that's not a very useful thing. So, right. I don't think I don't, he said it. That, Craig said he thought it was three to five years away, and I think that's way too quick a timetable for self-driving cars to be a kind of thing that's available. He, he mentioned uh, adaptive cruise control technology. That doesn't actually drive the car for you. That just slows down if you're getting close to another car. Right. It doesn't actually turn the wheel to follow anything. So, Yeah, don't buy it. I, like I said, if if all the roads in the country were upgraded in a specific way, then I could see something, but that's a huge project. I'm more optimistic than Greg. I, I think that three years, probably th- in three. I don't. I can't see in three years you can be able to buy a car at a dealership that is a self-driving car. Yeah, I, I don't buy that at all. Five years. It's getting out there. I would say in ten years you, you're going to be able to buy them. Whether they're going to be at our, my price point, probably not. Probably longer out than that. But uh, you might find. I, w- I wouldn't say that I would not expect to find. I would expect to find zero self-driving cars on dealership lots in five years. Mm-hmm. It's possible. I'm not, not sure there. Like a fully self-driving car. Okay, six years. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself some wiggle room. I don't know. I, I, I really don't think the technology is up to snuff yet. Could be wrong. Like, like I said to him, my, uh, my futurist predictions have not always been <laughs> extraordinarily accurate. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. It was IPA day, I guess. On the eighth, yesterday, yeah, and uh, why? I, I think Hart had had a tweet where he said, "You know, look, look, IPA is the number one style of craft beer. IPA doesn't need a day, right?" Uh, so yeah, I said, "Goes a day." I'm of I'm of two minds, right? There's the there's the uh, the thing. Uh, what was it? And now this, right from last week tonight, like you know, this week in bullshit national holidays, uh-huh. you know, and I. You know, really think that you know there are an awful lot of bullshit national holidays people make big deals out of. And then I saw Julia's talk like a pirate day. Yeah, I saw Julia's tweet about it. And if you look at a different market, not this incestuous. Oh my God, IPA day against beer geeks, but you know something that's big enough to get non-regular craft beer drinkers' attention or people that are just on the fringe. You know kind of gave me a different perspective of IPA day. It's just, I still want my Twitter client to be able to filter on keywords (laughs) and I don't want to see any tweets that say pumpkin beer or IPA day. Maybe I'm too cynical. I'm I'm definitely in a cynical mood today for a lot of reasons that have a lot to do with the state of Delaware, but uh, I find the whole thing kind of trite. Uh, I don't, you know, I sort of disagree with Julia on this. I, I don't think that IPA day, you know, craft beer day makes more sense to me than IPA day. I think IPA day is is a more uh, defined rallying cry, right, than craft beer day. 
you know, I don't think it. It kind well, of why make it, it on a Thursday? Because the place where you can register national holidays registers. The oh, day so it week. was actually a national holiday. Well, I thought it was just like the bullshit national holidays, but they're actually registered. But like talking like a pirate day isn't like registered. It's sure just it is. Like, it is. Yeah, absolutely. There's like two organizations that register national holidays. Okay, so yeah, at this point, yeah, then then the whole thing is just stupid. <laughs> there was um, Freakonomics, and one of their frequently asked questions, someone asked about all these holidays, these national days and stuff, mm-hmm. and they did the research and they kind of talked about it. So if you care a little bit about, you know, you or the listeners, go back and look for that Freakonomics about it. They kind of sum it up pretty quickly. Does it provide a boost of, of it on any level, on any noticeable level? I mean, we could apply to have Craft Beer Radio Day. Right. And I guess they turn they turn down things that are too self-serving or too specific. But, you know, if we, we could probably get a Beer Podcaster's Day or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's worth it. No. I said if I was going to make a Goza for a Goza Day, I'd call it the Keymaster... <laughs> or there is no Dana Goza Zool. Uh, or it could be there is no Goza only Zool. Or there is no Dana only Goza. Speaking know. of Gozas, Jenny Gold and Cranberry here, they tapped Blood Orange Goza, which is crazy because it's like way out of season. It's mm-hmm. almost ready to come back around. So they held on to it forever. But they had it in Growlers. So Heather got me a Growler over it last week. And like the days I was working on the house, I took off Monday and Tuesday working on the house. And uh, man, that's good beer. <laughs> that's a really good beer and talk about lawnmower beer or after a hard day's work beer it's you know the salty the fruit the you know it, it it's like that's what Gatorade should be full <laughs> of electrolytes and minerals <laughs> and alcohol my sister says hi by the way and also hello to Ida who was talking to my sister and she was asking pet Pittsburgh questions because she's from around here so okay uh, hi Ida and okay, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, I did a little sniping at you today um, <laughs> because, like I said, it was it was a day where I was just I was frustrated, Mister Literal today. Uh, I was really frustrated with, with, with stuff that was happening. It, it ended up okay, but it was like, ugh. and then I saw this this tweet from you where you took a picture of a beach scene. Like tomorrow, this will be my view of my camps, and I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, do you have a future camera? <laughs> no, that's a picture I took last year from the same place mm. I will be standing tomorrow. And then you started a, a conversation with uh, Martin Reese and Martin Reese is the water sommelier. Yes, it was fun because he generally just tweets nonsense about his brand of water, uh, which is nine hundred two H two O nine hundred H two O. I think nine hundred. Yeah, it's a play on nine hundred two one zero eight, and then H two O. There's an LA, the probably only place you, one of the only places in the world you can get away with being a water sommelier. Yeah, but anyway, he you know, not every water sits around, mind you. Yes, he's talked about beer before, but not very often. And um, he said, you know, some what do you say? Great spring. After good yeah. beer, you need a great spring water. So I gave hashtag him, water is not just. First of all, I did hashtag water sommelier. So the first thing he did was hashtag me. himself. Since he's famously the only right. water sommelier. To craft a good beer, you need a great spring of water. Hashtag water is not just water. Hashtag International Beer Day. 
I guess it's International Beer Day. Right. So I replied with great spring water or a basic understanding of chemistry and some brewing salts. Right. And he said, you still need a good water crafted by you or nature. And you said, but that's not what you said. Plenty of great beer starts out as as municipal water. And he said, who is saying that municipal waters are bad? They have minerals, too. Which is like, uh, you, and I, so I responded, uh, you just did? <laughs> you said you need a great spring water, and now you were saying municipal can be fine. Which is it? So he said, uh, what did he say? Where is he? He said, uh, he, didn't, he didn't respond to that one. He responded to the other one. Where I said, water is a polar solvent. Water is just water. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> it's what dissolved in the water. That ca- it's what dissolved in the water that counts. And he said, I absolutely agree with you. Every water has a TDS level. Total dissolves. dissolves in the NFT. But like he doesn't. First of all, English isn't his primary language. Oh, really? Okay. He's German. Okay. So forgive him a little bit. But like he like wasn't answering. Right, my replies. <laughs> you know, like he kind of skirted the issue each time. You know, yeah. the replies were vaguely on topic. I I just do not buy. Oh, then he then he responded. I prefer untreated, unchlorinated spring, but in some regions, tap is amazing. Uh, He's the only one talking about the quality of tap water. Yeah. I, it's true. There are some places that I mean, they've done taste tests. And there well, there was some... also a tweet after his first thing about who's saying tap tap water is not good. Yeah. Um, some places the municipal water is disgusting. I mean, he said that. Yeah. I. But your I, point I, was, yeah, you treat that. That's the I was thing. going to say, sure, and breweries will filter out the disgusting tap water. Mm-hmm. RO or otherwise, and add in brewing salts. Right. But at that point, I figured he was... I felt like I was arguing with someone who wasn't yeah. listening. So yeah. I just gave up. And then Greg buckled in. Ka-ching! <laughs> I, thought he, I, thought it was, I thought you were really going to get started there, but it didn't really take he off. Kinda, he kind of diffused my my attempt. So it was like, all right, there's no point in, in, in making an argument where there isn't one. So <laughs> Picking a fight. Yeah. And so that, that's what that was about. But yeah, I mean, water is... Water is just water. I get that water can have stuff in it to make it different, but I was in a real technical mood today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see. What else do I have? Other things, other things. Some interesting... um... So, uh, talking about Twitter and IPA Day and filtering and everything, Greg Fumiera uh, mentioned that uh, Twitterific and TweetBot both have filters you can set up. Okay. Uh, Twitterific, you can use on your phone for free, but it's kind of like you probably want to pay the four ninety nine to get rid of the, ads. the annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's Twitterific ads, and then, but if like you get three additional things, like oh, you don't get push notifications for free. Mm. You know, and there's something else you don't get. Where if you pay the four ninety nine, you get all. Yeah, you, you don't have the Twitterific ads. Yeah. I'm not sure whether you get the Twitter ads or not. And then, do you use TweetDeck still? Yeah, I use TweetDeck. Do you you get, don't get the Twitter you ads. You don't get the, the TweetDeck. Okay. 
So then maybe you get no ads and um, get push notifications and something else. So I'm debating whether I'm going to buy... Five dollars. It's not a big. It, it's not a big else. deal. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can filter all tweets that say pumpkin and beer, uh, be a happy guy. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't really want them filtered. I want them to put into like the uh, shit Jeff doesn't care about tab, so I can per- like a spam folder where you can yeah, peruse. So you, can, it. you can see if there's anything. Yeah, well, you can watch that number rise, and eventually, yeah. Sometimes it's fun to look at your spam folder when it gets to be like two hundred. Like, oh, it's in there. Penis, 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 penis. <laughs> okay, where where did I saw see something that was interesting here? I was listening to the um, um, what's it called in particular. The LHC podcast. Okay. Have you heard this at all? I, I think I saw it. I, I downloaded one. I wasn't very... Uh... They're talking about, you know, firing it back up. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about one of the new experiments in the Atlas. Well, they were talking about a couple things. They're talking about, like, the amount of data Atlas collects. Lots and how they have to, have to do, like, microsecond decisions, whether it's interesting or not. Yeah. And I knew about some of this from some things I looked at previously. But it was just cool hearing it again about, like, the crazy amounts of data that they store. And so that was very good. Yeah, they had to actually... Because it... If they were to store every event, they would not be able to do it. So they they have to take... They, like a million events happen every it's like, microsecond. Is it every second? I, I, it, it, no, it's a lot. They have a few microseconds yeah. to decide whether... Yeah. So they like they have things like in... like They probably have fueled programmable gate arrays or ASICs or something. Yeah. And they're programming in the hardware, you know, pattern detection to right. figure out if this is an interesting event. And then it goes into a second queue where then it has a few seconds to decide if it's really interesting. Right. And then it saves off the really interesting stuff. And what it also does at the same time is captures occasionally ones just to make sure that that's working correctly. Right. So they are capturing So they're not just relying on that. They're also right. randomly capturing one and comparing it to how it went through and making sure. Yep, so they like vastly the upgraded that whole selection mechanism. During the shutdown. Okay, cool. Because I guess there's more data, more higher power. It's either more collision. I think it's more collisions because they're more fine-tuned. Like, there's more control, more precision. Yeah, they were able the to, to, to do... They were able to make the beam <clears throat> a lot... I mean, a lot more confined. Yeah. So, so more, yeah. So, they had to upgrade and the whole... And it's more powerful. So, I mean, upgrade getting, the whole thing. Yeah. And then they were talking about this other sensor. I forget the name of it. It's... Uh, LHCB? They called it, yeah, the insertable thing, or uh, had I in the acronym, or the initialism for insertable, because it goes, it's kind of, you can insert, insert it in the Atlas without, like, Oh, you insert it in the Atlas, so oh, I don't know, I don't know about that. Yeah. But, but anyway, um, they're testing this thing, and they had, like, 15 sensors, and they were testing two of them in a vacuum, or a temperature chamber or something, and... The, there was a leak on the seal, or one of the humidity sensors wasn't working, and uh, it water condensed and froze and broke a whole bunch of wire connections on the thing. And instead of just blaming it on the leak on the seal and figuring out why, they, you know, as a good engineer, they actually took it to, like, its root cause analysis mm-hmm. to, to prevent additional problems elsewhere in the LHC. And there was a whole long story about that. It was really fascinating as well. Hmm. I'm sorry I don't have more details, but it was, it was this, I believe it was episode number two of In Particular I listened right, to. Maybe I'll take, maybe I'll rather uh, listen to that. It was, it was, I think, it was, 
I was I was working. I think the podcast was at least ninety minutes long. It seemed like it was on for quite a while. It was, but it was you know in depth, de- interesting content the entire time. Okay, let's see here. As long as we're talking about particles, I'm just going to debris a, a, a couple very brief things, right? Uh, I talked recently about uh, speed of light. Why can't light have a reference frame? I think uh, I I said, I won't get into it, but light can't have a reference frame. Uh, Because we define a reference frame very specifically. We say that in a a reference frame, uh, everything... uh, You in your reference frame are at rest, and light always moves at sea. So Hmm. light can have a reference frame because that would mean light is at rest... But it's also moving at sea. So, well, it'd be a different piece of light. Well, no, I mean, it would. It is light, so it has to be moving at sea, in what we call a reference frame. So, you just you you can't box it in. Okay. All right. So that's uh, more or less basically how that works. What else? Uh, there was another one I had. Sorry for the delay. How did you? So did you watch Last Ship? <laughs> no, no. I, I commented to uh, to some people who uh, on on a thread like uh, this is what my friend tells me about the show. This is what I I, I you know gathered from from reading about it. Uh, sounds pretty bad. Is it this bad? And they're just like, yeah, it's this bad. So. <laughs> Not really interested. Although I, what I did do is I read the, the synopsis for the book it's based on, and it sounds really cool. The book it's based on takes it in a whole different direction. It's not this rah rah America bullshit. It really is shit. The world's ended. What do we do? And it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we gotta we gotta bring America back. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean. It's not. It doesn't feel like it's all about bring America back. You really latched onto that part, and you've never seen a second of the show. I have not seen a second of uh, the show. Uh, but the episode you were commenting on was a shitty fucking episode. The mm. one that was on Sunday night. Oh my god, it was horrible. Yeah, I agree with everything that Link, the "We Are Strong Because We're Strong" article. <laughs> I agree with everything he said in that article. It was just a whole bunch of yeah. That padding. was an actual line in the show. We are strong because our strength is is be. Oh damn it! I forget what the line was. Yeah, yeah. We're strong because of our strength, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it was horrible. It was horrible because the whole the whole plot of that episode was they had rescued the guy who's now the president in line of secession, and when they rescued him, it was more of a kidnapping because he was somewhat. Um, uh, you know, brainwashed or um, Stockholm syndromed by the bad guys. So in this episode, he starts out obstinate and once released, and he to go back to the bad guys, and and then the truth comes out about how he caused he. So he was the secretary of health and human services, or or, or uh, maybe housing and urban development, or something, whatever. But right. someone completely. I'm sorry, maybe it was Health and Human Service. I can't remember, but he was in Florida and he was heading up this huge 
safe zone inside a stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Like a college, and there's thousands of people there. And the 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 captain of the ship found, you know, because apparently the internet still works, or or at least the uh, net still works. But um, he found that all this information that the guy had flown his son back from Michigan State to be with his family. Well, it turns out his son was a carrier, and they kind of wiped out the whole stadium of people. So he was crying that he killed all these people, mm. and there's a little... Ugh. And then he turned around, and at the end, he's gung-ho, America president, and they're going to take it to the bad guys. Um, it was bad. Sounds bad. All right, let's get into something kind of cool. Uh, I read this thing about why your nose gets watery when you eat something spicy. Okay. I thought it was really interesting. So... Uh, let me, let me, I'll try to, to skim and, and get this. So your airways are constantly producing very large glycoproteins. Basically, proteins covered in these long uh, sugar chains. Uh, they're called mucins. They're sticky. They're, they bind to water. <coughs> they function to protect the airways. Uh, they are kind of generated by in little bubbles, and then they're sort of packaged and stored. And when, it's, when they're needed, they're transported to uh, the cell surface where they fuse with the plasma membrane and dump their contents out into the airways. Uh, so the quality and type of mucins depend release on where you are in the airway and the state, if, it's, if you're irritated or inflected, infected or inflamed. But since they're so thick... Uh, they can't be just released by themselves. They're released with water. So your body releases water at the same time. Uh, so when capsaicin hits you, it kind of short circuits these. And uh, it, it's sort of like a drug effect and causes it to release these mucins. Uh, but they're slow to be produced. So they get released first, and then it releases water. And it keeps releasing water. And the thing about capsaicin is it's oily and it's not water soluble so you keep releasing water mm-hmm. you run out of mucins real quickly and your body just keeps producing okay. water so that's why that happens i thought that was really cool i heard a similar story or a different story about peppers on uh, 60 second science today and that is there i don't remember the details of the study it ran for a fairly long time because over the study twenty thousand people died in the study old people i guess but the study was about their diet and uh, how much pepper they ate. Pepper's hot stuff they ate. Oh, I saw something about and this. And if they ate hot stuff several times a week, they were 10% less likely to die. Yeah. And if they ate it every day, they were 14% less likely to die. Right. And I think it has to do with the... Uh, the in, uh, they say inflammatory response or something, or... I forget what they said, but... Uh, yeah, so there's... By... I sup- yeah, I I don't know the science behind it, but I did receive something about that. Ten percent is not nothing, but it's not uh, hugely significant. So um, I think that you know other drugs give you better <laughs> better results than hot peppers. So this is a, another interesting side effect was people were asking if this the question why do why are wasabi and horseradish not as spicy? Why why don't they affect you the same way? So they, they're not capsaicin. There's something called allyl isothi- isothiocyanate. Uh, and it's it's very volatile. So it vaporizes very quickly and then dissipates very quickly. It's not as, it's not an oily substance like capsaicin. So that's why it doesn't okay. linger. It sure punches you hard, though. It does punch you hard. 
it can really punch you hard. But I thought that was that was cool stuff. Yeah, I like um, definitely like the LHC stuff. I mean, they're doing they're they're slamming reality is what they're doing. They're basically uh, you know just whacking bits of energy together and seeing what happens. And seeing if it matches our predictions, what happens? And so far, yeah, pretty much. It, 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 there's been like tiny little like corrections, mm-hmm. slight corrections, but there's been nothing major that's been found that 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 disagrees with the standard model. I listened to something. I listened to something that had a whole bunch. I'm trying to think. If it was the another segment of in particular or somewhere else? But oh shit, what was it? I listened. It was like all about quarks. Like I learned like. Re- I reheard much of stuff I knew, mm-hmm. but then I learned a whole bunch of new things about quarks and uh, I think the discover, like how they were discovered, like mm-hmm. in what orders, and like yeah, that's what it, they started. They started talking up, out down, about, and strange were the first three that, that right, were, and they were kind of discovered by sending well, there's a whole neutrons story because... through through a nucleus or something right and then like there was this... they, they were they were sending it they were hitting protons with electrons. they were hitting uh, protons with electrons no, that's right. and the electrons were, the way they were being scattered. deflected yeah they were being scattered uh as if there were there was stuff inside the proton that was scattering them mm-hmm. and so that gave them an idea that there was stuff inside here and then when they when they started to crash them together uh, all these bits of stuff came out, all these new particles, and they're like, what the heck is all this stuff? There's the pion and the kaon and all those other things that they named. Uh, and so they're trying to figure it out because they were like, it turned out to be like hundreds of different things, and then they found uh, the overall symmetry was there. If you take this, uh, what Murray Gell-Mann called the eightfold way, uh, and, and putting this uh, this this picture together of, of this... Um, what turned out to be a uh, unitary group uh, transformation on it. So it, it's really, it, it is very, very cool stuff. Um, it turns, like, I say SU3, um, particle physicists normally do say SU3. Technically, it's uh, SU10, um, but since uh, the charm, the top and bottom really don't show up that much in equations, it's usually, it's mostly just ignored. Um, in terms of when you're when you're writing out this stuff, when you're especially when you're learning. Okay. So, but yeah, there, there's the whole that there, there are a whole bunch more symmetries that are there that you could do, but that gets into some real esoteric stuff that I have not not been able to follow yet. But here's an interesting thing about quark stuff: um, the whole how can something come from nothing argument, right? That's a big thing out there. People wonder how something can come from nothing. Uh, and, you know, Lawrence Krauss uh, wrote a whole book about something can come from nothing, and people are, some people appreciate it, some people poo-poo it. But here's the basic idea behind that. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. All these, you know, we talk about all these fields that are out there in, in, uh, in the universe. Uh, we call that generally the background. So there's this background of energy fields when you get down into the strong force when you get down into uh what holds uh what holds these quarks together it's uh it's this strong interaction and i've talked a bit before about how they can't you can't have quarks separate 
they have to be in like a group of three or a group of two or now they found tetra quarks and other things right these situations where they're bound together and they're bound by this what we call a flux tube uh it's this energy field that effectively what it's doing is it's pushing away the background so effectively inside the flux tube you have what might you is, might is can... the, so i was um question for you yeah sorry i was reading some stuff on in scientific american when i was at the dentist office a couple weeks ago uh-huh. and they had a thing on this and they were mentioning how uh quarks they're the um strong force that holds the quarks together is kind of very different than like electromagnetic force because the further they get pulled apart it seems like the more they want to spring back together it's, is that the flux tube or is that yeah that, that is the flux tube it's sort of like that it, it's a little bit different in that it, it actually the energy doesn't change so uh you you the, the flux tube itself um you could you could pull them apart and the attraction between them doesn't change but you have to keep putting more and more energy into the system to pull it apart so you can you can describe it as if you're you're forcing as if you're uh it taking more and more energy but really you just you have to put more energy to pull them apart but the, their attraction doesn't change based on distance as opposed to all the other stuff like electromagnetic drops uh mm-hmm. you know one over r squared um and the same with gravity right. but this doesn't drop and you have to then keep pushing more and more energy to, to move them apart and when you and if you pull them apart enough you've put enough energy into the system that you can that that energy can turn into two quarks snap the flux to create two quark pairs okay and now you have four quarks because you put that energy in there okay so but inside the flux tube you're pushing away the background so effectively inside quote unquote the flux tube there's nothing but here's the thing it takes energy to make that nothing and it takes energy to push away everything so in essence nothing is unstable you have to use energy to make nothing otherwise it just collapses and turns into stuff Okay, it's a little. That was about as easy as I can make it. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes some sense. Okay, sure, yeah. But uh, that's that's the idea of uh, of Lawrence Krauss's version of something coming from nothing. Okay, sounds good. I knew some of that. Yeah, because I was reading Scientific American. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it's re- very interesting stuff. Um, the whole the whole quark thing is. Uh, how it was discovered and how they figured out the whole parton models that very very cool stuff mm-hmm. and yeah the strong the strong interaction is very very different but it, there's this weird noises coming from upstairs heather's prepping some food for camping i see so there's vacuum vacuum ceiling happening yes. uh let's see there's anything else to discuss right away how about you anything um, stuff. I gave you my weird idea. My weird. <laughs> this is so weird that it's it's so out there. I don't know if it would make sense. Okay. Um. All right. How can I explain this without confusing myself and you at the same time? <laughs> Remember we talked about light that was traveling in uh, space that did not have a lot of matter, and it was as if uh, it went, f- like, faster? 
or it had, it had <laughs> less time. It, it wasn't as blue shifted or wasn't as red shifted as stuff that was around matter. I think I remember talking about. Yeah. And uh, the reason why is because, like I said, it, it, it uh, when it's traveling through a whole lot of matter, it's uh, it's effectively curved more than when it's not traveling through a whole bunch of matter. So it's effectively spending more time in space uh-huh. than when it's not spending time in space. So um, it got me thinking about got me thinking about how that relates to uh, some other like what dark energy could be and it occurred to me and I'm sure this has occurred to much smarter people than I have and they've dismissed it already so I'm not saying this is right I'm saying this is this is somebody who is not very well up on general relativity trying to think about the situation it occurred to me that if if that is the case then you really have pockets where time is is uh is running slower versus pockets where time is running faster in a relative sense. Okay. And that might be experienced as if things were moving away faster in this area where time is not moving at the same rate. Um, sure. Isn't that the whole plot of Interstellar? Well, no, this is... I'm talking about what... How to account for dark energy, not... Uh, (laughs) Not traveling through wormholes. I'm I'm talking about a sort of more universal concept of... of Possibly... You're talking about, like, time... I'm talking about... As a... The the rate the clock ticks as... I'm talking about... A function of... Well, I'm talking about the expansion of the universe that we see being a function of the fact that time is uh, is slower where there's more matter and not as slow where there's where there's less matter. So you're thinking that that effect wasn't taken into account, and that's why they think they need to. I mean, I I know, I know how you said they discounted it. Yeah, that that would be. Remarkably remarkable if no one's considered that. Yeah, exactly. That's why. That's why I'm. I'm like ninety nine point nine. You know, as 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 sure as I can be that that I'm wrong without being told I'm yeah, wrong. You're but, wrong. Uh, I, it was still an interesting concept, so I, I thought it would be something. Maybe you should write a paper. Maybe you'll win the Nobel Prize because no one's ever thought of it. Um, you know, I brought up my. I brought up a different idea to some physicists, and and uh, they didn't dis it but they didn't necessarily say that it was right either so <laughs> so I have a feeling it's more of a not even wrong type situation <laughs> you you just don't understand what you're talking about yes, here, so, what, what are the quacks saying today yeah so but but I, but I you know I always preface these things with look I I don't believe I'm right uh, I just, you know, would like to hear... Why is I'm, this wrong? I, yeah, exactly. I want, I want to hear this is wrong so I, don't, so I can stop thinking about it. Now they're just fucking with you. <laughs> it's not not wrong. Like, the other idea I had, which I'm sure has been discounted, and actually, I actually saw something about this that was possible, that 
this is possible. So I don't. I think this is just something that, that people don't know. But uh, we've talked before about how um, physicists are saying that, and I don't understand the Higgs totally, but they're saying that the Higgs is unnatural. It, it seems to be like balanced on a nice edge. And uh, the thought I had was maybe, uh, maybe the Higgs value changes in space. Maybe around more massive things, the, the Higgs is different than when it's not around more massive things. Okay. Maybe. Don't, don't know what to tell you there. I, I, I don't think I don't think anyone knows. So it, it's <coughs> mm-hmm. it's just a it's an out there speculation. It, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't it. Uh, jive with the Copernican principle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. But it does mean that just because, <laughs> just because I can think of something doesn't mean you know I gotta have I gotta come up with some idea some some way to to check it right. to prove it. That's the whole point. Uh, you can come with with all all the stuff you want. Uh, come with some way to test it. The thing that I asked, I thought that there was a way to test. I'm trying to remember what it was that I asked. Um, but there, I, I did say there there is a possible way you could maybe test this. So that was like, okay, that was my best idea. <laughs> Armchair physicist staying yeah. at its best. Oh, that, I know what it was. It was about the, um, uh, the, remember I told you the, the, the time hole situation. The, maybe the universe is a time hole and oh, okay. everything's moving towards singularity. And I, and I think I came up with an, a concept, a base concept for how you might be able to test it. I forget what it is now. I think the universe is a time cube. It's oh, we know that the universe is a time cube. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, memes of nineteen ninety six take me away. <laughs> uh, speaking of nineteen ninety six, um, I did see that. Uh, I saw a little bit of Leo Laporte is now doing a new screensavers, and he yep. had Martin Sargent on. So. I, I watched one of those episodes, and that was that was sort of a fun. Hey, Marty's back. Mm-hmm. I think I saw that one. It's uh, but yeah, we're past that point. <laughs> yes, it 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 was uh, more informational mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Now it's like you know, I feel like an internet architect compared to the shit they're talking yes. about on the show. It was funny they were talking. They were talking about their their ultimate gaming machine that they came up with back then. <laughs> How like it had one gig of RAM. It was like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Throw a gig of RAM at it. Yep. Meanwhile, I just ordered machines with. Well, I guess they're not that impressive. They have sixty four gigs of RAM each, mm-hmm. but uh, ordered sixteen of them. Only $39,000. Not bad. Yep. You going to do some Bitcoin mining? No, no. They're uh, they're, stout, they're stoked with the 10 gig network interfaces. They'll four of those each, but they uh, they don't have... They have the RAM, but they have pretty low-end CPUs. Like $220 CPUs. Mm. So mm. they don't need much of the... Compute computational crunching on these. We need something that can need addressing. And, we need something that can do lightning fast networking yeah. at high bandwidth and uh, moderate amount of RAM for doing 
probably gotta run some virtualization on some of them so uh yeah those are those are fun they they they're called they're from super micro they're called fat twins and they're a for you they're not a blade server because it's, they're all individually managed but it, the chassis is four rack units tall mm-hmm. and it holds eight servers so they're like half width so okay. four four and four and um really good on power because they just share power supplies in the chassis but then all the io comes out the front and that means that if one power supply fails and no they're, they're redundant oh so everyone has dual power connections so you'd have to have double failure for it to go down um yeah they're pretty cool things the price is good power is good and uh yeah and i had to order a very expensive network switch to go with that so Curse to me that you could test the Higgs idea. There, I'm not saying you that it's feasible to test, test it. it. I can. Test I'm not it. saying it's feasible to test it, but baryonic matter shouldn't be affected. But f- because most of the, that energy comes from the binding energy, most of the mass, but like electrons would be affected. So if you could, if you could find electrons coming from outside of the mass area at a faster speed than they would you would normally see eh. yeah i don't know you get your phd and then you can yeah go ahead maybe that could be your phd thesis right there i smell a phd and a nobel prize your first phd is basically just your first research project that's what that's what you get your phd on mm-hmm. so. yes who knows? I don't think I have the stomach to do a whole, <laughs> all the education necessary. I'll, I'll, I'll remain an armchair physicist, but it's, it, it sure is fun to learn about. All right. Beer? Beer.